and um, it's just an awesome day, awesome day. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you. You've brought us here to another place, Lord God, and I give you all the glory and honor for it all. Lord God, teach tonight. Uh, bring clarity and understanding as we take our time and understand what you bring to us, Lord God. Help me as a teacher, a pastor, to um, teach with all wisdom and, and, and knowledge and and um, most of all, Lord God, in your spirit. So as we continue to go forward to learn more about you, be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I did get a uh, very good text from Ingo. Um, you know, Ingo was here this morning and he brought a friend from Germany with him. And um, he said uh, God's calling her because she said she was very touched by this morning service and she just doesn't get it. So he's been witnessing to her. So he's asked us to pray uh, for her. And uh, they'll be here a couple of more weeks, so maybe they'll get a chance. If Ingo needs me, I know he's staying, staying at a hotel in Pell City, so maybe we can swing by there. But um, so be in prayer. Uh, praise God. I mean, you're bringing, people, bringing lost people to church, and man, I tell you what, that's awesome. So um, praise God. So tonight, as we go into a look into the 12, we're not switching. We are switching gears, but we're not. We're still on the disciples, but we're going to not talk about James tonight specifically. We're going to talk about the challenges of a disciple, okay? We need to hear the challenges of, disi of a disciple. So be prepared to kind of work your Bible a little bit tonight. Not a whole lot, hopefully. I say that, but not a whole lot to me is, you know, five or six books. So <laughs> anyway, um, we're going to start um, actually in John chapter 12. In John chapter 12. And if you would, take your Bibles and turn to verse 25. In John chapter 12, verse 25. <coughs> so there's some key things here. When you, when you talk about a challenge of a disciple, or the challenge, challenges of a disciple, there's a lot of things that you have to put into play. There's a lot of things that affect us. We've already gone through enough to know that we're all disciples, Correct. We're, we're disciples, not apostles, but we are disciples, right? Why, why are we not apostles? Why are we not apostles? There we go. We didn't see the risen Savior, exactly, okay? So, but we are disciples, period. Now, if Jesus said, go and make them apostles, then he couldn't, you couldn't do that. But he said, go and make disciples, right? So let's look at verse 25. Let's start there in John chapter 12. He who loves his life loses it and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to to life eternal if anyone serves me he must follow me and where i am there my servant will be also if anyone serves me the father will, not, will honor him so when we look at this verse of scripture now this is the first challenge of a disciple okay very first challenge of anyone Anyone who's born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, anyone who accepts, who, who comes to that saving knowledge of saving grace, the first challenge is, okay, um, you're going to follow me. You got to follow, right? Okay, right? It's pretty standard. That's pretty standard. Let's go back and look at verse 25 again. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. So, Understand what he's saying. If you love your life more than anything else, it's going to be hard to be a disciple. It's going to be very diffi difficult to be a disciple if you are going to struggle with this. Now, as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, there's certain things that we got equipped with, certain things that we have had um, uh, imputed upon us in the, the moment of salvation, okay? And that was the power of the Holy Spirit, right? We know that, the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, the power of the Holy Spirit also helps us to understand that the difference between what is God and what is not. Okay? And, and, and that's, you, you want to say the power of the Holy Spirit is instantaneous, but is the knowledge of what is good and what is not, is it instantaneous? Is it? Is it or is it not? Are you scared? Why is it not? If it wasn't, why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't be the knowledge of what is what is good and what is not be instantaneous? Anybody want to take a chance at a stab at that? Huh? We we live a process, Christy. You're right. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Right. The, the, well, it's, not, it's not necessarily great, but once again, we have to keep in mind sanctification. Right. And, and what did you say, Miss Linda? Very good point. And they see right now when that Holy Spirit comes on you, you know, the Holy Spirit, keep in mind that please understand this. It teaches us. It teaches us. It teaches us. No one learns anything all in one setting. Yes, very good point, Brother Mike. And so you don't, how many of you have been going to church for 10 years? Raise your hand. You still haven't learned everything about God, right? Okay, so you know, you know he's holy, you know he's a savior, you know he's mighty, you know he, but you still haven't learned anything. So even though the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you is, is immediate, that learning process, this is why the Holy Spirit is here, because it's working throughout time and in the context of, of us being alive as we travel and navigate and run into different things in our lives. Because, see, no one here has experienced everything either, have you? You know, Sunday, that last week was my first time in that area of Kentucky ever. So I learned something, right? You know, some of you might go in a store for the first time, and guess what you need to do? You might need to stop and look at something or ask someone, hey, where do I go? You've been in a store before, but have you been in this store? You know, all big box stores are not necessarily lined up the same. You can go in one big box hardware store, and it's, it's set up another way. You can go in another one, and guess what? It's all flipped on you. And then you're standing there discombobulated. So, so when, when Jesus says this, when he says, he who loves his life, and he, uh, he who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to, e to life eternal. He's talking about an even trade here, an even trade as far as life for a life, okay? Your life is going to stop. You, you're going to have eternal life, whether if you're lost, it's going to, the rest of your life will be spent in hell, okay? Lake of fire, I'm sorry. If you're saved, the rest of it, your eternal life will be sent, spent with the, in the presence of our Lord. But what he's saying, he's saying, this is going to be your challenge. You got to give up everything that uh, that's in this world that you are attached to right now. And you have to walk away from it and accept this. That's one of the challenges of discipleship. That's one of the challenges that the disciples had. And it's the same challenge that you have. Correct. Same challenge. Every day you learn something new that you need to walk away from or every week. Maybe let's just let's say every week you learn, man, that's something else I, I need to walk away from. Some of us choose to accept it. Some of us don't. But this is a challenge. And the disciples had the same challenge. Okay? Keep in mind, all 12 of them had the distractions of their day. They all had the distractions of their day. I don't know what, the, I didn't live in that, that time frame. but they. Are, and now we all have our distractions of our day. Correct? Okay, so please understand this. This is the first challenge. Now look at verse 26. If anyone serves me, now here is the kicker. If anyone serves me, he must, he must, he must. That's a key word. If you're underlining a marking, please mark that word must. He must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. He must, he, he, in other words, he, when you say must, that means that, what does the word must mean? If you had to define it, what does it mean? No option. There's not an option. So say that again. Required. Exactly. This is, you know, if, if, you're, if you're going to start a car, you must turn the key or push the button, right? Something's got to happen. You can't just sit on your couch and say, well, I take that back. You can't sit on your couch and say, so-and-so uh, start my car, and guess what? But you still got to have an action. There's John back there chuckling. <laughs> you see, you got to use technology to start a car. But you've got to, you, but there's still there's an action required on your part. OK, even if your car is set on a timer to start at the same time every day, you got to do something to let know, let it know what time you're going to start. So something must be done. It is a requirement. It, it involves you. Uh, that word must means that you have to be actively engaged in it and and not only actively engaged in it, but actively aware of what's going on. OK, you know. My, our refrigerator, it's running all the time. Now, I'm not at home telling the compressor to kick on and turn off, am I? But I did have to plug it up. I did have to buy it, right? 
You know, I did something. I, I had to do something. Okay, so you he must follow me. Now here's the next thing. He must do what? He must. The challenges of the disciple is to follow him. We defined this months ago when I was preaching. The word follow means imitate behavior. Okay, not necessarily walk behind him, but imitate the behavior of who? Well, Christ. Okay, so that word follow is not you know not you not me leading you like a mother duck leads her ducklings across the road. And if some of y'all fall in the storm drain, like those videos that went crazy all on the Internet and people are rescuing ducks out of the Internet and the duck waiting for them to come out, that ain't it. Following Jesus is, is mimicking and living like and imitating and, and all of this thing. So our challenges are, we know our challenges are, first is what? Okay. First, we have to understand that we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit and everything's been given up. Everything should be given up for him. These things of the world, these everything should be given up for him. Second of all, you gotta, you got to. It's not you may want to, it's not optional. You have to. There's no option. You must, you must. You it is required. And then the third thing is it's required to follow. Okay? It's required to follow. Look at me and do. So these would have been this would have been a struggle for the disciples. It would have been a struggle for the disciples. A couple of things. Why? Just like we are today, tradition ran very thick in these days. You did, you know, daddy was a fisherman. I'm going to be a fisherman, right? Hmm? That's what you did. You taught, you taught your children your trade, didn't you? Okay? We don't do that today. Some of them we do. Mike just makes his do it. Okay? <laughs> Come on, you're going to weld. You know, ah, daddy, I don't want to hear you. Are you going to weld? But these are things that we do, okay? So and that's something that they did. So now Jesus is saying, well, come and follow me. Come and do what you're going to see me do. Come and do what you're going to see me do. Now let's look at the rest of this verse. Where I am, there my servant will be also. Well, there's the next thing that you have to adopt. What? What is it? Servitude, exactly. That's the next challenge, servants. How am I going to be a servant? Where in my life am I not a servant, okay? Um, the di disciples struggle with that often. You know, we talk about the foot washing. Jesus got ready to wash the disciples' feet, and Peter rejected him. But then Jesus said what? If you, I don't do this, you can have no part of me. So I'm serving you. You have to see this. This, this is going to be a challenge for all of us. How do you serve others? How do you serve others? Now, we can give the simple answer by loving each other, by helping them when you see that they need, be, they need help. Those are elementary answers, but there's a deeper answer to being Jesus' servant, and what is that? Hmm? Being humble. Good point. Well, there's another one. Come on. What is it? Let's read the scripture again. And where I am, look at it carefully, where I am, my servant will be also. Now, put that together. Where I am, my servant will be also. What is he saying? Hmm? Be where the Lord is, okay, being obedient to God. What was over here? Obedient to God. Get that. Obedient to God. When you say obedient to God, where was Jesus? And keep in mind, Jesus says, where I am. Present, present tense. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But we already got the answer. You're, you're right. You're, you're not wrong, but we already got the answer. Keep in mind, where I am. When he's saying where I am, where I am at this state, and at this state, Jesus was clearly what? Uh, he was what? He was present, but he was, he was obedient to the Father. He was in the state of, so with those of you that said obedience, bingo, you get the golden quarter or whatever you get. But anyway, what happens is when he's, when you're, so he's in this state, I am right now. He's saying where I am in this state now. This is what I'm doing. My servant will be in that same state, an obedient state, a state of servitude, a state of sacrifice, a state of giving, a state of, uh, you know, giving up. That's the state that you because when Jesus was here now, we can take it on the, the broader spiritual scale when he says where I am. OK, 
where I am, meaning what? Well, he's everywhere, but in, uh, in the eternal, he's going to be where? At the right hand of the Father, and we're going to be praising him. The servant, now let's identify the servant as the one who has served as Jesus has served, will be in the presence of Jesus at all times. Okay? So get, get that. Get that. In the present state where I am, mimicking Jesus, if you're following him, you're, you're in that same sacrificial, obedient mode. Eternity-wise, that servitude, that because the only reason you're sacrificing is because you believe in what Jesus did for you. You, in turn, want to turn around and do that same thing, okay? That's going to be a desire. And that, when you do that, because you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you believe he died for your sins, all of these different things, guess what happens? It places you in his eternal state, too. His present state, while he's sitting, while he's here, you are like him. Okay, I'm a, yes. Mm-hmm. You're giving up everything to be with him, but not only be with him, but to be like him. Yes. So it's not just with him, but it's also like him. Okay. Same status. Does that, do you, are you understand? Are you following? If you're not, tell me. I'll clarify it even more. I'm waiting because I've been accused of saying any questions and then moving on. Okay. Okay. So, and then look at this. Look at the rest of it. If anyone, look at this, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, what scripture do we exactly need to tie this back to? What scripture? Okay, let me give you a few words and then you can find it. When I was cold, when I was naked, you, when I was hungry, you, mm -hmm. and he said, come in and do what? But then when he said the other, when he said, depart from me, I never knew you. Remember? So this is right here. Hopefully you're going to find that scripture. Here's, wh here's where we are. If anyone serves me, the father will honor him. Those who serve Jesus through the feeding of the lost, the witnessing to the lost, and all of that. See, these are the challenges of the disciple now. Keep in mind what we're talking about here. We're talking about the, the challenges of the disciple. Keep, keep in mind also the time, the time in which the disciples operated, okay? There was sectarianism and all this division and all this stuff, and there was hierarchies everywhere. All this stuff was going on, and you didn't associate with this one, and you didn't associate with that one, and you weren't caught doing anything with this one you know remember the woman at the well in john chapter four hey why is he talking you know she's like hey why are you talking to me you being a jew me being a smear that didn't happen jesus was tearing down all of those divisive barriers all those barriers that were causing those issues and so that was going to be a challenge for any disciple wait a minute and then then of all things jesus the son of god is talking to a Samaritan, and then the disciples walk up and catch him <gasps> oh, what is, oh, who is this? What's going on? See, they didn't understand. So you see, that was their challenge, wasn't it? That was their challenge. And the Pharisees had their own challenge, didn't they? Okay, take Nicodemus. Did Nicodemus get saved or not? Did he or didn't he? Hmm? What was Nicodemus' struggle? What was his struggle? He loved his stuff, but also what was his struggle? To be, he struggled with the, the very fact of being born again. Why, he, why couldn't he be a disciple? He couldn't, he had a challenge. He had a challenge of born again. He had a challenge of walking away, because remember, he came to Jesus by night. He was scared. He didn't want any of the uh, other Pharisees to even know that he had spoken, because it was a crime to talk to Jesus. And uh, according to the Pharisees, it was against the Pharisaical laws and procedures or whatever else they had. Right, let's call them covenants or whatever you want to call them. It was against them to do that. So he would have, he faced a challenge and guess what happened? The very thing Jesus talked about in verse 25. Read it again. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Problem. Okay. 
So, the first few challenges of a disciple. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It was a requirement. There's no choice. He, he d- see, that's what I'm saying. He didn't even have a choice. He didn't have a choice when it came down to saving our souls. He didn't. He really didn't. He didn't have a choice. He, you know, now he did it because he wanted to, but because of that power of love that was in him was so strong that he had to. You see, that's the next thing. The disciples were going to have to learn love at another level than what they knew it as. Keep in mind, how many of the disciples were married? You don't hear about their wives. Peter was married. We know Peter was, right? He had a mother-in-law, okay? So, he, you know, and so that means at some point he had a mother-in-law. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to get anyone in trouble with going any further with that conversation. We are going to leave that alone. We're not going to touch it. See, now I love my mother-in-law. I cut her grass. So, I ain't gonna, I, yeah, I'm going to pat myself on the back and save my, save my life. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so... Now, I want you to take your Bible, with all that in mind, with all that in mind, I want you to take your Bible and turn to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. Now, keep in mind, something about 2 Thessalonians is is unique to all of Thessalonians, because God is, Jesus is talking about what to the people of Thessalonica. What is he talking about to them? Well, we know the day of the Lord, his return, and all of these things. Um, It's kind of hard to, 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 say this is a prophetic book, but it is a prophetic book. Why? Because he does talk about future things, okay? He does talk about future things, so it's uh, prophetic. But get this, in, in, in a prophetic book, he's going to turn around and, and give us some counseling on some things that how we should be, okay? So as a disciple, if you look at it, first th- uh, Second Thessalonians chapter 3, I want you to go to verse 17, And then we're going to kind of work our way backwards. In verse 17, he says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. And this is a distinguishing mark in every letter. This is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Now, it's easy to say, I'm writing like this so you know it's me. Okay, you know it's me writing you and, and, and this is me speaking to you. That's the key thing that a disciple will have to ha- would, would, would need. As a disciple, if, if someone's going to take your authority, um, it, it take the authority that God has given you, you have to have something distinguishing you, right? You have to. There has to be something. And for Paul, who's writing all these letters to all these different church, all these letters to all these different churches, and, and anything could have happened. Somebody could have forged a letter and sent it or whatever, but Paul had a specific thing that he did that identified him in these letters that no one else would do, okay, that distinguished him. So he had something that went along with him. Uh, he had not only just this distinguishing mark, but the reputation of his writing. You can read the, the various books that Paul wrote, and you can tell the difference between what Paul wrote, what James wrote, what John wrote, what Peter wrote. You can tell the difference, right? Okay, if you look at the four Gospels, okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, Luke is totally, you know, it looks like what? It's very detailed and very, but John is more spiritual, right? Okay, if you look at it, even though all of it is spiritual. So the disciples had developed these traits and these characteristics. And one of the challenges is, is to keep those and make sure that the people knew who they were. Same thing that faces you today, okay? If you had an identifying mark that distinguished you as, that's Chris Fincher, what would it be? What would it be, Chris? Do you know? What, what, what identifies you as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Don't come up, you'll come up with, why would I pick him? Susan, tell me why would I pick him? He could give me any answer in the world, okay? I know. <laughs> Eric? He can, he can, he can give a good one. Eric, would you know what distinguished you? Would you, w- could you say it? Yes, you know I know you're saved. I have no question about it. But as a disciple, what distinguishes you? Okay? Bonnie, as a disciple, what distinguishes you? Jimmy, as a disciple, what distinguishes you? And Mark, I mean, and Paul is saying, 
you know I'm, a, I'm an apostle. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is my mark. This is my mark. Okay? Now, let's get back to the meat of it. Go back to verse 6. Something else that identifies it. Something else that, that, that the challenge would be for us to overcome. And it's a challenge that we face today that is very heavy. Verse 6, now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life, not according to the tradition which you received from us. Hmm. Hmm. We command you, brethren, See, this is another challenge, okay? First off, you see that the disciples are what? And Paul, for instance, in this situation. Now, he's saying we. Who is we in, in this book? Who is with him? Well, the Holy, he and the Holy Spirit. And who else is with him, though? Luke and, and Timothy may have been there. But, but here's what you, or maybe Titus. Maybe it was Titus. But one of them, they would have been there. So guess what? They would have been pulled into this designation of a disciple as well. Okay, I mean, we know we know how Titus was. We know how Timothy was. We know that they had certain traits that they picked up from Paul, but they also picked but they picked up everything through the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's things that they learned to be a disciple from Paul. Okay, now. Let's read this again. Now, we command you, brethren. Keyword It's talking to who? Christian church, this, this is not a scripture for the lost, is it? This is not a scripture for the lost, okay? In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every, who? Brother. Another Christian, okay? So in other words, now he's identifying what? That there's brothers that are, that are unruly and there's brothers that are ruly, that are okay, that, that keep themselves in line. He's identified. So, you, so right now he's saying you can be saved and be unruly, but you, there's an issue there, okay? And we're going to sum this up in a minute. But who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition which you have received from us. From us. This word tradition is not what we would think of tradition. This word is what we have taught you. What we have taught you over the years, this is what the tradition is, okay? He's not trying to teach legalism. He's not trying to... Teach religious traditions. He's saying, we've taught you according to the Holy Spirit. And, and also, if you take the word tradition, what does the word tradition mean? What, if you do stuff in a traditional fashion, what does that mean? It's a habit. You're doing things the same way over and over and over again. This, yeah, very good, Miss Anna. Something people do all the time. It's our, it's our tradition to go to church, right? It's our tradition to have church on Sunday, right? It's not traditional to have church on Friday night, is it? Okay? It's not traditional to have it on Thursday night. Okay? It's starting to become one to have for us to have it on Tuesday night. Soon we'll be getting to every night of the week, you know, and hopefully my body can handle that, okay? But so that's what he's talking about. He's talking about stick with what you have been taught, okay? Stick with what you have been taught. Now, look at verse 7. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. Now, there's that word follow again. Now, Jesus said, follow me. Now, Paul is saying, follow me. Follow our example. Follow us. Mimic us. Well, I'm, we're a clone of Jesus. We're a clone of Jesus. This would be a challenge for any new disciple. Because here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. I don't want you to be David Jones. I want you to be who Christ created you to be. But I need to also be set up where you are following what I'm doing because I should be so close to Christ. Now, the challenge for us as disciples, the ones who are not unruly, is to be that close to Christ that we can tell someone to follow us. Paul, go ahead. Or the ones, even better yet, Mike, and I'll add to that, the ones that cannot be taught. 
the ones that don't have a teachable spirit, the one that will not listen to the truth of the word of God. Okay, they know it. They have a form of godliness. They get it. And he's calling them brothers because they may get it, but they probably get it at this level and they got all they want to get. Okay, they got their church of 104, no more. Okay, and so we're good. We're good. And they're not they're not trying to take those steps up. Okay, and that's a big issue because we we this is what y'all hear when I'm talking. Okay, I need to get away. That thing's that's y'all can hear me, can't you? Okay. Okay, Ms. Anna says, would another way be someone has to be a backup for someone else where they need help? Well, if you put it in that perspective, let's look, let's, let's see how we can put it in that perspective, okay? If, if I were to move on, go on to be with the Lord, okay, you guys would need to keep going, right? So, uh, y- yes, you, you have to, because you can't turn anything over to someone who's not going to be able to carry on the things that you've been taught. Right. OK, you can't do that. It's, it, it won't it won't work. So you have to make sure that the person that you have or the people that you're around, they have to be disciplined. Once again, that that root word, uh, you know, out of disciple, you know, that you got to get that. So, yes, very good point. Very good point. Unruly. That one is not teachable. OK, that one is just. You know, and they could be they could be the, the, the deacon of the year. You know, they could have been a deacon there for 15 years and, and got this. But, you you know, some of them you can't teach. Right. Or a Sunday school teacher that won't. You know, well, I've always taught this class. Well, hold on. But are you supposed to continue to teach this class? Have you sought the Lord in that? You know, just because you taught Sunday school for 15 years doesn't mean you're supposed to continue to teach it for 15 more. Yes, exactly. And that's an unruly person. So very good point from everyone. Exactly. So let's look at verse seven. For you yourselves know how we ought, how you ought to follow our example because we did not act. Now, look at this in an undisciplined manner among you. See, an undisciplined manner among you. Nor did we eat any bread without paying for it. But with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Now, this is kind of the mentality we had when we went to Kentucky. It's one reason, not the only reason we drove the RV, but we drove one. We don't want to be a burden. We're coming up to help you. We're not coming up to be a burden on you. Okay? So, you know, we'll, we'll take care of our own room and board. We got that covered. We, we're coming to help. And now look at verse nine, not because we do not have the right to do this, but in order to offer you ourselves as a model for you. See, that's the challenge of the disciple is putting away what would be convenient and comfortable for you and picking up the model that is really true and accurate for a disciple. And the disciple is giving up everything for all for for everyone, no matter who they are, where they live or anything like that. I'm sacrificing for all. That's what Christ did when he did. He didn't he didn't just die for America. Right. Because we weren't even in existence then, but he knew we would be. But he didn't just die for us, did he? He didn't just die for Republicans, did he? He didn't. OK. All right. Yeah. Everybody needs to get that. All right. You, you know, they're, they're Christian Democrats out there. OK. <laughs> all right. And, you know, there's Christian independents out there. OK. We need to get that there. 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 What would you say, Cindy? <laughs> Our ruling ones, okay, <laughs> can't be taught nothing, okay. Um, <laughs> there are Christian Alabama fans out there, okay. I, you know, I know y'all don't want to hear that, but there are Christian Alabama. They don't act like it. They're the unruly ones also. So, hey, huh? Yes, they are. Yes, ma'am, they are. And then there's people that don't get upset because you don't call out their team. Anyway, just <laughs> love you, Miss Linda. Okay, so. So that you if models, look at the rest of verse nine, so that you would follow our example. He's, he's keep, he keeps going to that. Now, here's a common theme. 
Christ said what in, in John chapter 12, verse 25? If you love your life, you'll lose it. But if you hate your life in this world, you'll gain it to eternal life. And then where I am, my, my, my servant will be. But you must, you must what? Follow me. You must follow me. Now Paul is making the same request here in 2 um, Thessalonians. You must follow. You will, look at this. So that you would follow our example. Now look at verse 10. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he's, he is not to eat either. For here we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now, we've got to get a key grab on this word work, okay? I know we think, and we use it often, and I've used it. Hey, if you don't work, you don't eat. But keep in mind, keep in mind what, what the context in which he's speaking right now. The context of work here. Yes, Paul came and they all did their job and they worked and they should eat and, and they've, they've earned the right to do so. But they're talking about their lives, their life of work, of their, their Christian work. All of these things that they did, you want to enjoy, you, you keep in mind, think about this. When you were in your young Christian life, you were in your young Christian life and you were just showing up for church and walking out and not actively involved and actively trying to grow and through that sanctification process. How flat was church for you? There was nothing there. So guess what? You weren't receiving the benefits of the word. The word is rich in, in food and nutrients and all that. So you weren't receiving those benefits because guess what? You weren't willing to do nothing to, 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 to gain it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You weren't doing anything. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I came to church. Church meant nothing because you came, you sat here, and you left. You came, you sat here. You left. Okay? You didn't worry about, you know, what makes this church rich? And, and, and well, part of it is the fellowship. You know? But you feel empty and friendless, but you're not willing to get up and go and make a friend. So, how, okay, let's get real about it. Well, nobody talks to me. Well, you don't talk to anyone either. Okay? <laughs> I mean, you know, so how is that going to work? So don't you know? So if you you can't enjoy the meal if you don't get to the table, okay? Everybody wants their steak brought to them, but no one wants to go get it, or even you know you see. So understand what the, now. This is not a works salvation. Please understand what he's talking about here. But when he's talking about work, if you want to enjoy the food, okay? If if you want to and, and, and you want to enjoy the food because you feel like you you've done something to be fed, then you, you, you'll work, okay? It works as your evidence. Faith without works is? Exactly. And it's evident that you're doing. So evidence of you being a disciple of Jesus Christ is what? Is that you're, you're, you're striving at, you're working at being a disciple. You're not, no, not that, not that it saved you. But it's like, wow, here I am now. Now what's the next step? Well, I got to work. I got to work at being friendly to people. You know, it's hard. Especially when you got Cindy back there. It's hard to be nice to someone like that. Yeah, I know. Exactly. It's bad when you call Cindy and here's what she said. What do you want? <laughs> and she can't say. You say it on call number one. You like get your lips ready to say it. Oh, here he is. I can imagine now you're probably rolling your eyes in your head. I have not called you at 630 in the morning. Okay, thank you. So, look, look at this. Because look what he says. For we, are we, we hear that some among you are leading undisciplined lives, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Huh? The, the unruly and busybodies. Exactly, doing no work at all. See, and you see what category it falls in. You see, when you get into church and you start working for the Lord, you don't care about all the incidental stuff that's going on over here in this corner and all that corner. And the more people that start working, the less of that incidental stuff happens in your corners of your church. You see, see, this, see, get it. So it's not not about going out and getting a job because because look at this. 
Now such persons, look at verse 12. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. Now what does that mean? That means get in and do what you're supposed to do for Christ. Show evidence of your discipleship and you can enjoy worship. I can stand up here and enjoy worship. And I don't care what the rest of y'all do. I do care. But you know what I mean? I can enjoy it because I'm focused on what I have to do. I'm not focused on what everyone else has to do at that time. And that's a very big deal, y'all. And so get this. This would be a challenge for the disciples back then. Because remember, who was it that asked Jesus? Well, what about him? No, it's Peter who asked Jesus. Well, what about him? What do you want to do? He says, don't you worry about him. If I ask him to remain right here until I come back, what business is that of yours? You see, he was telling Peter, you go out and get to work. I, this, is, this is John here, okay? See, Jesus, even t- Jesus, he got right with him, and he told him, don't worry about it. Work. Don't be a busybody. Work as a Christian. Work as a disciple, and that's a hard lesson. Peter, see, because Peter had a big problem. When we get into him more, he had a big problem wanting to speak for everyone. Well, yeah, what about him? What did he do? Hey, we, did, we all followed you. Wait a minute, Peter. You're telling me you all follow me, yet one of you is a devil. So don't tell me that y'all all. You can't speak for everyone, Peter. I can't sit here and say everyone in this church is saved. I can't do it. Okay? I can't do it. Guess what has to do it? What has to say you're saved? The Holy Spirit of God, and then the evidence of that Holy Spirit is what? The work that you do. The evidence of it. The evidence of that you're getting past things will show up, okay? The evidence that you've gotten over hurt feelings will show up. And it's becoming evident. You know, we had a rocky road last year. We had a rocky first part of this year because, you know, people were hurt and all this. Look, and guess what, y'all? I'm just in my third year. You're probably going to get hurt even more, okay? It's going to happen. You will get over it. You, yeah, you will heal. You, you know, no one died last year. Did anyone die? No one died. We survived. We made it. Right. Yay. And then the day will come when you have to walk up and you have to put your offering up here and the ushers are no longer walking back to you. Hmm? That's going to make some people mad. Or either stop giving. Deal with God on that. I'm not going up there. Well, don't go. That's up to you. But this is the way we receive an offering. I'll wait till they come by with it. I'm not, they ain't going to come by with it. I'm going to send them all out them side doors. That's not that one, but they go out that one. But no, this, seriously. See, that day's coming. And, and you've got to be willing to show yourself as a disciple. That disciple takes that extra step. That disciple takes that, that gets that discerning mind to say, you know what, I've got to do this. I've got to do this because I'm disciplined now. Not everything's easy for me. As you become more disciples and more and less unruly and more being able to be taught, guess what you're willing to do to accept more things that Christ gives you, okay? As I watch the deacons, you know, Eric, he taught. He's taught before, but he taught Wednesday, okay? You know, and more, more and more of that is going to happen, okay? And, and, those, and, and that, that's just a sign of, you know what, I can do this. It's not that I want to get out of preaching. It's not that I want to get out of teaching. This is my life. This is what I do. This is what I love. But in order to get you more disciplined, you got to do it as well to get you to that point. And so when he says this, look at verse 12 again. Now such persons we command you, exhorting the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion, and eat their own bread. Now look at verse 13. This is the caveat. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. Don't get tired because the other one's being lazy. You still got to keep working. Well, I ain't going to do it because they ain't doing it. Well, you're wrong. You're wrong. See, that would have been the challenge of the other disciples. John and James and John sat down and asked Jesus if they could sit on the right and left. And not only did James and John ask, but their mama asked. And then they got mad. Then the disciples got hot, didn't they? And what did they start doing? Yang, 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 yang. And wasn't a woman in the crowd. 
<laughs> so all you men that talk about, well, there was none but men sitting up there gossiping, okay? And then they had the boldness to do it right in front of Jesus. And every time they started running their mouth, Jesus knew their hearts, and he said, why are you talking amongst yourselves? Didn't he? Why are you talking amongst yourselves? You guys got work to do. Quit talking about it and do it. Okay? Now, verse 14 and 15 are key. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person and do not associate with him so that he will be put to shame. Now, verse key is critical. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. See, that's the challenge of a disciple. Where's that fine line between treating someone like garbage because they ain't doing what you think they should do or saying, you know, I'm doing this because you need to learn that you're not doing things. You're not right. According to the word of God. First off, you got to come with the word of God and explain to them why they're wrong. See, too many times we come. The challenge for all of us as disciples is not to come to them with our opinion and tell them why they're wrong, but come to the word of God and say, hey, look, according to the word of God. I want which one of y'all have you ever heard me come with my opinion and tell you where you were wrong? Or how many of y'all have I come to with scripture and showed you where you needed to correct yourself? Raise your hand. Huh? I ain't ever had to do nothing with Miss Liz because she's been good all her life. John, see, John's raising his hand because he knows I, I beat him with the Bible. I mean, I beat him with it. But here's the thing. That's the thing. Admonish him. Admonish. Admonish. Admonish means to what? Huh? Correct. Not beat up. Not throttle. But correct. Admonish him as a brother. Whoa, as a brother. That means, guess what? You coming in, you're correcting them, but you got a few things. There's some humility, first off, on your part, because you've been on that same road, whether you want to admit or not. Then there's compassion on that part, okay, as a brother. See, so don't get so high and lofty in your correction. Uh, the Bible says I should admonish you. Well, you know, admonish sounds like you ought to hurt somebody pretty bad with a stick, right? I admonish thee. You know, we want to say it in the King James so we really know we're holy when we're beating them over the head, right? Thou worst not do that worst again, admonishing them at their thing. That's about how much sense we would make. But we should come and we should say, hey, I got to talk to you. Got to talk to you. Love, it never does. And love always acts in a, in a kind, loving way. And it behaves itself in a certain way. It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't get angry. It's not boastful. Well, I never did that when I was coming up as a Christian, and you shouldn't do it either. Listen, man, let me tell you what you did do, because I know your aunt, and she told me what you did when you, you know, you see, that's, (laughs) we got to be careful. So the (laughs) the challenges of a disciple, do you get the challenges? Now, this is, see, I told you before I wanted to start getting you to relate because understand you need to understand the challenges that you face. These very same challenges as we continue to talk about these disciples over the next few weeks is what they faced. Exact same. Exact same. Wait a minute. I got to love. Wait a minute. I got to have compassion. Where was Peter's compassion when Malchus, Malchus came to get Jesus? And you know he wasn't aiming for his ear. He just had bad aim. He was aiming for his neck. Well, he's like, I'm going to lop his head off. He's coming for my gym. I'm going to lop his head off. He missed and got his ear. So, you know, Peter could have never been a Jedi. You know that. But he, he couldn't handle the light. So, yes, Miss Anna. Recognize him as a brother, but, but admonishes you what you need to use in this context because you're correcting correcting bad behavior you're correcting someone who's not being christ-like who's not being who's not being a follower of the example so that's why you have to admonish admonish you can recognize them but recognizing and actually putting it in action are two different things you know i can i can recognize that this carpet is blue you know 
you recognize it, but then you have to admonish him. That means you recognize it, but if, if, if I'm going to change this carpet color, i got to do something about it. So if I, this carpet is blue, I recognize that. I want it black, but I don't do anything to make it black. So if I'm going to make it black, that means I need to, I recognize it's blue, and I come in with some black dye to make it black. I recognize that you're being an unruly disciple, but I'm not going to say anything about it. See, that's just as bad as that unruly disciple. Exactly. That's why we teach. Miss Linda, beautiful, perfect. That's why we teach. Because if you don't realize, if you don't teach it, how are you going to recognize? Remember what we talked about at the beginning, and this leads us to our close. It comes full circle. Because we don't, the Holy Spirit empowers us, but then that sanctification process, through that sanctification process, it starts recognizing those different things. And it uses fellow disciples to do that, fellow people around us to correct us and guide us. And if we don't, so if I'm not growing, if I'm at the same level as, as I was 15 years ago and I'm not growing, guess what? You're not going to grow either. Okay? Unless you see that, hey, he's not growing and I am, something's wrong. We got to do something. Okay? So there's got to be that visible, that, that, that change that happens. And so there's got to be some letting go. There's got to be some, some, some understanding. And we as disciples, this is the other thing. Jesus was never afraid. I know he's God, but he was never afraid to correct him. He was never afraid to correct him. And so if we're powered by the Holy Spirit, which he worked by. We can't be afraid to correct him. Okay, what's my saying? What's my saying about fear, afraid, being afraid of y'all? No, okay, I'll, yeah, exactly. Okay, here's, here's my saying about being afraid of y'all. If God comes down here and tells me he's afraid of any of y'all, then I'll be afraid. But until that point, I'm not going to be afraid of anyone. So if you need correcting, guess what I'm going to do? What did we have to do last Tuesday night at the camp? Remember the meeting? Yeah. Did exactly. And it was all these and, and all the churches were up there and they were operating differently. They were operating separately. We had to pull them together. We had to pull them all together and get them and admonish them and correct them. And guess what? Once that happened that Tuesday night, guess what happened Wednesday? Folks started getting saved. Mandy, isn't that what happened? That's exactly what happened. But God wasn't working. He wasn't working in that unruly state. So what had to happen? The correction had to come in. So the Holy Spirit comes in and corrects everyone, comes in and corrects them. And I mean, and they walked out of there com- corrected. I walked out corrected. We walked out corrected. And then the next day, we're down at the IGA witnessing. VBS is going on. Five children get saved. Nursing home crew goes out there. Three people at the nursing home get saved. Okay? Just in one day. And that's what has to happen, and that's what we have to recognize. So the church has to be in an admonishing state, not a judgmental state, but an admonishing state, okay? So we can come, come and understand and keep growing, all right? So those are the challenges. So keep that in mind. Keep your notes in mind when we go, as we go on through the next few disciples. And um, Mike Roper, Jr., would you please dismiss us in prayer?